I have this philosophy that I'm okay with healing loudly so others don't suffer silently. Healing people heal people. there my name is sean and this is suicide noted on this podcast i talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories every year around the world millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it and when we do talk about it many of us including me aren't very good at it so one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors Special thanks to all the attempt survivors who have joined me here on the Suicide Noted podcast since we launched in July of 2020, and to everybody who listens. Thank you. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And remember, we are talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everybody. Please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. If you'd like to support the podcast, well, keep doing what you're doing. Listen, let folks know about it, share it on social media. And if you'd like to make a financial contribution, I'll include a link in the show notes. However you choose to support the podcast, I really appreciate it. Today, I am talking with Josie. Josie lives in Michigan, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hi, Josie. So, Josie, where do you live? Um, I live in South Line, Michigan. You live in Michigan? Yeah. I know you emailed me and you shared some stuff, which I appreciate. You've gone through some things. You yeah. joined, yeah, you're going to share some of them or maybe all of them with us, whoever listens to this podcast, wherever you are. Uh, how did you find me? <laughs> Similar to actually how some people find you, I was really low one day and I was looking for a podcast to listen to because I was like oh you know maybe there's a podcast similar where people just like talk about their stories and to be completely honest with you I was looking for ideas mm. of ways to self-harm and stuff like that and so I just went into Apple podcasts and looked up suicide and this was the first thing that popped up wow I kind of think that's good because I want people to hear this stuff but part of me thinks I don't want to give people ideas. That's a tricky line I'm walking there, you know? Mm-hmm. But you're going to find it. If you want to find ideas, there's Google will give you whatever you need. Yeah. I, I don't think the issue is information. When was that about? How long ago? I think it was June last year. So like six and a half months. What was going on that you wanted to, that you would be thinking about putting that word into Apple or elsewhere to get ideas for self-harm or perhaps worse what was happening well i had already been to the hospital i think four times at that point i'd actually just gotten out of my recent my, my most recent admission and i had just graduated high school and i felt like i had no purpose after high school i felt like that was it like i accomplished what i needed to do in life like my time on earth is done and what i had been doing wasn't working and thankfully but and so I was like oh maybe I can find something else that has worked and stuff like that four times you went to hospitals so these are psychiatric hospitals yeah yeah four different visits just like kind of throughout your teens or in a certain period of time throughout 2021 okay tough year 
Yeah. I, I ended up having six hospitalizations last year. 2021 was not a great year for you. No. Was high school, did you, and then you had said that about high school, was high school like amazing and you just could never reach that again? <laughs> no, it's really interesting. So I'm just really, I, school is my thing. I'm a very strongly gifted in academics. I graduated with above a four point, even with being in the hospital. Like I just, I take school very seriously and that's what I'm good at. I, I just felt like, okay, I can't have this anywhere else. Like I, I had two jobs. I was student council. I was, I was student council president for two years. And then I was treasurer for two years. Like I was involved in NHS. I was our stage manager. Like I was soup. I was a mentor for the freshmen for two years. Like I was very involved in my school and I knew a lot of people and a lot of people knew me and I was well liked and well known. And so I felt like I'm not going to get this anywhere else. Like this is it. Like that was my purpose. I'm done here on earth. Like that's you, it. You, you, uh, you peaked. Yeah. All right. So you crushed high school in academically and otherwise. Did you finish uh, virtual? So my school did it funky. We were online. I don't remember for like the first few months, I feel like. And then we did a hybrid. Okay. So half of the school was coming in half the days, half the school was coming in the other half the days. And then eventually we ended actually coming to school four days a week. And we had Wednesdays were virtual and everybody was coming, but we did a block schedule instead of our normal schedule so it was you were in the class for two hours instead of an hour and when did you actually officially graduate was that may or june of 2021 yeah june june 12th when was your first hospitalization january 6th so you were predicting this so i (laughs) a lot happened to me as a kid that i realized okay as i got into high school as i got into my junior year i realized that was like oh like that's not normal like I, I just assumed that everybody, like my, my, I, I'm the third kid. So I, right. There's this third kid syndrome. It was a little different in my house. Like my emotional needs were not always met. Like I was mm-hmm. just very often just brushed off and taken where it was convenient because I'm, I'm five and seven years younger than my siblings. And it wasn't even necessarily like my parents didn't do a bad job necessarily. It was the way I perceived what was being done that really affected me. hmm like I still, like I think my parents are great parents. Like I think it just wasn't what I needed in the moment. And like, really emotionally, I was I was told to stop crying, and I was told to, I'll give you a reason to cry, like stuff like that. Like, is it a safe bet that they don't know you're talking to me? They do actually. We have okay. made a lot of growth as I've gone <laughs> through different programs and stuff. My freshman year of high school, I lost five people very close to me in a matter of five months. And so grief was very strong in me. And from that moment, I just decided to fill my schedule. Mm. I didn't want to deal with myself. I didn't want to deal with my emotions. I didn't want to deal with my thoughts. And that was the first time that I was like actively suicidal. I had been passively suicidal before that, but that was the first time I was like, I want to die. <laughs> and like, and here's my plan, but I didn't Fresh. actually end up falling through. When you said you lost five people, I'm just curious, were any of them to suicide? Yes. Okay. That must've been very difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, loss is loss. I'm not suggesting non-suicide deaths are any easier, but either way, difficult. All right. First time you start to be more active about it and you start, are you ideating? You're thinking about it regularly, how to do it and other things like that? Yes. You're like 14 years old or so, 15 years old? Yeah, 14. What would you think about? Um, A lot of it was, I could just go steal the keys and crash the car or I could go grab the meds from the medicine cabinet or grab a knife and mm-hmm. 
that was actually the first time that I, I did. I grabbed a bunch of medications and I grabbed a knife. That was, it was that summer, right before school ended, I guess it wasn't quite summer and I was about to do it. And then I got scared and <laughs> I was like, I'm 14. Like maybe I should give this a second. Mm-hmm. I put it all back and just acted like nothing. I actually haven't. I've told one person about that. Do you think if you had done it and, and attempted and completed, would there be anybody in your life who would have thought that's not that surprising or people have been shocked? I think there would have been one person who would have been shocked, but also not surprised because maybe two, because they were who I was like, I was very open with them. And one of them was my youth pastor and one of them was a friend. And I had been very open with them about where I was and like telling them like I was suicidal. And they were the ones that got me in therapy for the first time, mm. but that didn't work out. <laughs> um, therapy didn't help as a freshman. No, mm-hmm. it wasn't the right fit. And I was too lazy to find a new therapist. So, so you're a freshman, you almost, almost try, or at least you think about it. And then what happens? I just started to fill my schedule. Like I said, I was yeah. student council, NHS mentor. I had, I had two jobs. I was on the swim team. There were some days that I would wake up and I would go to morning practice and then I would go to school. (laughs) Then I would go to my one meeting and then another meeting and then another meeting. And then I would go to one job and then I'd go to another job. And then I had homework and I was in AP classes and I was dual enrolled at Schoolcraft College. Like I, I had, my schedule was booked. And then winter break hit senior year. And I was like, shoot, (laughs) like I actually have to like feel my emotions because COVID was a big shock for me because I couldn't be go, 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 go. But I felt like I wasn't allowed to say anything or have these feelings because everybody wasn't go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. So I just pretended like nothing was wrong. And then, yeah, when winter break came or holiday break or whatever you want to call it, I was just like so crushed. And I was like, I am going to kill myself. Like, I don't feel safe. And I got, I got myself back in therapy. Like I did all the research because I was scared my parents were going to say no. So. I like scheduled an appointment. I figured out all the insurance and everything. And I started seeing this therapist and I was lying to her at first because I knew that hospitalization was a possibility. And I didn't want that because I had only heard bad things. And then January 6th, I went to her office and she asked me how I was. And I straight up just told her, I have a plan to kill myself when I leave your office. How are you going to kill yourself? I hadn't quite figured it all out, but I had, I, at that point I could drive and I had medicine in my possession Mm. and I had sharps. I had been self-harming and yeah. And she was like, okay, like we're going to, we're going to go to the emergency room and we're gonna figure this out. Hospitalization number one. Yep. I was How there for 10 days. 10 days. Helpful. Yes. And no, <laughs> it was a really mm. eye-opening experience for me. And mm. that was my first time ever being put on medication. I got misdiagnosed and put on the wrong medication. Mm. So I came right back a month and a half later. What was the original diagnosis? They just blanket diagnosed me with depression and gave me some, I don't even remember what the medication was, but it turns out I have bipolar two and borderline personality disorder. And so that medication, I think it was Lexapro, enhanced some of the like hypomania and depressive and depression and suicidal thoughts. And so I came back after my first like attempt and I came very close to being successful. Uh, You go in there. Okay. So a month and a half later. You're back. How long do you stay the second time? I was there, I think I was there for 18 days. And then uh, that was actually an interesting dismissal though, because he told me he didn't think he could help me anymore. And so he he discharged me to their partial program. And I did an online partial for a week and a half. 
Who said that they couldn't help you? My doctor. Okay. Do you agree? I think I wasn't ready for the treatment he was trying to give me. He went through a lot. You tried again or almost tried a second time? And that's how you got to the hospital the second time? And that must have been like February, March. Is that right? So February, yeah, February 22nd, I overdosed in my school bathroom. And what happened there? Did somebody find you? I'm I'm very competitive. And so I made it a game. Okay. So I, I went to the bathroom and I took the medication and then I said, all right, let's see how, how far into the day I can get. Mm-hmm. And I was like playing, I was like gambling with myself in my mind. I was like, I think I can make it to like fourth period before I like pass out. Not really thinking about what I had taken and the combination of what I had taken plus what I had taken at home, you know, so like it was a mess. And I went to my first hour and I was actually, I'm still very close with that teacher. He had been one of my main supports at the time and was a very positive influence in my life. And I went to his class and I was late and I should never late. And I sat down and I, the room started spinning and I felt like I was going to throw up and my vision was going in and out. And I eventually just, I, I got up and I went, I like stumbled to his desk I just looked at him. He was like, what's going on? Scary. And I was like, I just took a bunch of pills. And he was like, okay, sit down. And he called 911. Then I woke up the next day. (laughs) I don't remember really anything else about that day. I just remember waking up the next day and the doctor telling me that like my heart rate is, my heart lines are still a little messed up. So, and we're waiting on a bed. Same hospital? I did. I'm going to the same hospital. Yeah. Given your age, your parents are notified. Yep, I was 17 still. Yeah, so I had to be. So they, they know about all of this. They might not know about all the ins and outs and all the internal stuff, but they know that you were in the hospital twice. Yeah, I actually had that part of my story was published in our little Southline Herald is what it's called, our little newspaper. They did an article about me and my teacher. Wow. Yeah. Did they bring up the fact that you were suicidal? Yeah, they talk about my suicide attempt. So I applied for this award called the Perseverance Award, and I won. And a part of that, like winning, was a scholarship, and a part of it was that the Herald would do a story on my perseverance over. Five ah, years. so you've talked to people. People know. I have this philosophy that I'm okay with healing loudly, so others don't suffer silently. Ooh, I love that. So I've been very active, active on social media about where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I've had several very vulnerable posts with some very vulnerable pictures and some very vulnerable words. One of, like when you were talking about some of the myths you want to break, one of my myths is that like you have to be healed to be helpful. I think that's stupid. Mm-hmm. I think you can be just as helpful healing and helpful. Healing people heal people. Absolutely. So what happened after that? You'd said there were a total of six hospitalizations, right? Yes. And how many total attempts? Two. Another one was an overdose in um, June, at the end of June. Was that hospital number three or, or am I getting it? No, it was number four. So there was a three in the spring, fourth hospitalization in June. You tried overdose? Yeah. School or after school? This was after school got out. It was like June 29th or something like that. Like it was the very end of June. I spent the 4th of July in the hospital. It sucked. Mm. (laughs) Where were you when you tried? Were you home? No. So I was actually out going to grad parties and I was in my mind, I literally was like, oh, perfect. I'll say goodbye to all my friends and then I'll go drive to some random parking lot and do it. And that's exactly what I did. Did you tell anybody? Um, I actually ended up, I started taking the pills and I got really scared (laughs) and I called my therapist and he didn't answer. 
So I started taking some more and then I felt mm-hmm. really guilty. So I called my dad and my parents mm-hmm. ended up coming to get me. So I didn't actually do any damage to myself. I wasn't admitted to like the hospital hospital. I just went straight to the psyche ER at U of M and then went straight to a different hospital. Almost done. I was at Stonecrest in Detroit. What are your parents saying? Because remember, part of this conversation we started was that you didn't get the kind of emotional support you would have ideally liked. You've also said that you guys have done some good work together and figuring stuff out. So like, how are your parents responding to their daughter, youngest daughter, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Dealing with all this stuff for months on end and a few attempts, like how do they, what are they saying or doing? Yeah, that, that's been the hardest struggle. We haven't really fully talked about that yet. That's what we're, we're waiting for family therapy to do that because I guess like my parents, I guess they've told me, which makes me so nervous. They've told me that they have stuff they need to say to me, but they want like a third party present, which makes me very nervous. But Yeah. What do you think they're talking about? I think they just have some like really like personal things they need to say and they don't want me to take it the wrong way and spiral is my guess. But I don't know. I think that they're just thinking like I might take take it out of context and stuff like that because we have gotten into little arguments about that Sure. because my perception of the world is very different than their perception of the world and sometimes that gets in mm-hmm. the way so all right what happened in the summer and fall though you went a couple more visits right yep i started i'm not good with change yeah change and i are not friends and so i started college and i suddenly had time <laughs> like i was going to class but then that was it. My friends had gone away to college and I was just at community college, which was very hard for me because I had put money down and committed to the University of Alabama. Yeah, we're all tied. <laughs> I was supposed to be down there. Like I, I had money down. I had my roommate and everything. Like I was ready to go. And then after my second hospitalization, my parents were like, yeah, like let's, let's really think about this. And the three of us came to the conclusion that it wouldn't be best. Okay. Rightfully so. I I was very angry with them at the beginning, but they also were like, I mean, it's up to you, but like, no, you know, they were like (laughs) giving me the freedom, but also they were like, but you're going to come to this conclusion. (laughs) So it was very hard for me because I was at community college, which now I'm so content with where I'm at, but I was very, like all of my friends were at universities and in dorms, at least an hour away from me. (laughs) And I didn't know what to do. So I ended up going back to the hospital, but this by my very first time into the adult ward that was very scary what was different about it other than obviously people are older the issues there are a lot more serious and they're a lot more advanced and i straight up had one of one of the like technicians there told me she told me yeah we don't really do a lot of work with adults in the same way because they just don't change like at this point they're they are how they are but like i'm an adult now like you're still gonna help me right (laughs) did they help no I wasn't even there for 72 hours. The doctor there told me that was when I officially got my uh, borderline personality diagnosis. And the doctor there told me, he said, I don't normally treat people with borderline because they end up killing themselves anyways. And then he waited like 30 seconds and then said, but that's not going to happen to you. I was like, hmm, okay. Do you agree with that diagnosis? That's actually what we're, I'm talking with about with my like outpatient psychiatrist because I was like, do I have both? Like, is that possible? He was like, it's possible. But he was like, you're hypomania. Like I have symptoms of hypomania. So what does that look like in your life? Yeah, it looks like spending all of my money, but like okay. not remembering, like, like genuinely brain fog all the way. Like I will get, I won't sleep. I won't eat or I'll eat everything in sight. Like I just, and like, I forget. I'm just 
happy and I feel like I'm the per like the coolest person in the world. <laughs> and I do a lot of risky, reckless things. Such as? Like driving without a seatbelt, driving really fast. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a very like cautious person when it comes to relationships and I'm very cautious with my words. And so like I, I but like that goes out the window, like filter goes out the window. Like I just say it like it is. And for me, it lasts anywhere from like two days to a week. And when you're in it, do you know you're in it? So like, if it's like a shorter, like a two day one, I'm like, I'll pick it up at the end of that second day. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm manic right now. When was the last time you were in that state? I feel like it kind of happened last week. And so what about the borderline personality? Because you'd said the doctor in the hospital said that about borderline, which is pretty extreme thing to say. I don't know a lot about it. I do know, and this is mostly anecdotal through a couple of friends who have it, that their doctors say there's no real, for lack of a better word, cure Mm -hmm. for that, that it's just manage as best you can and hold on type thing. Is that the information you've gotten? Yes. But I've actually also gotten a little like glimmer of hope recently. So my, my sixth hospitalization actually is where I learned this. So I started a partial hospitalization program at St. Joe's, which was amazing. I cannot say enough good things about this program. Like I love this program. I owe a lot of things to this program. They sent me inpatient. They didn't feel like I could be sent home for the weekend and make it back on Monday, which mm-hmm. they were correct. Like I, I was up on an overpass and I got a call from my social worker at the partial program because I was late to the program. And she called me and was like, where are you at? And I lied. I told her I was in bed and I ended up getting myself down and going to the program. They ended up sending me to the hospital. And then towards the end of that, I, and then I restarted the program when I got out of the hospital because it's a, it's a two week program. Mm-hmm. And so this was just before Thanksgiving. And they were telling me that like, you know, like if you rewire your brain and work on your attachment style, it is possible to be in remission, semi-recovered or whatever. That's hopeful. Yeah. And my doctor also told me that he thinks he can get me off my medications after I graduate college. So what did she mean or he mean by attachment style? So there's three like main attachment styles. There's an anxious attachment style. There's an avoidant attachment style. Oh, so there's four. So there's a healthy attachment style. No, and then know. there's an unhealthy attachment style. Mm-hmm. And then in the unhealthy attachment style, there's three categories. So there's anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. <laughs> and I have a disorganized, unhealthy attachment style. I really struggle with like attachment in general. Like I'm either like, I have what's called, I, I don't know if you know this about like borderline personalizer, but they have what's called a favorite person. And so like I attach very strongly to this favorite person. And for me, it has been male figures in my life. Like I mirror myself and what I like and what I think about to match what I think they would want me to think about. Or I just don't like it's a boundary thing too. So like a disorganized attachment style, they don't under like I don't understand like people's boundaries and sometimes like filters. I don't understand some social cues where like, it's not okay to say versus okay to say. So despite even being a little nervous, you're well-spoken, you're very smart. uh, You do well in school. What is it like to also know that you have maybe bipolar two, maybe this borderline personality disorder, both are considered mental illnesses. Are you okay with it? Are you fighting Mm -hmm. it? Are you like, fuck that? I can outsmart it. Yeah. So I've actually had to do a lot of sitting with myself and like processing that. And a lot of, I've had a lot of conversations with my therapist about it. Not a lot, but like we talked about it because there is this, like this instinct at first was, no, I don't have that. Like that's, that's for crazy people, right? Like quotations, Mm -hmm. like that's, Mm -hmm. 
I'm not crazy. I can't have that diagnosis. That was totally stigma talking. We have this huge stigma around mental health in general. And then you add in bipolar and borderline per- and any personality disorder, really. 100%. And suddenly there's this, oh, so you're crazy. Absolutely. Right. And so. And then we're going to group you um, in with this image of what we think is crazy, yeah. which is often absurd and not accurate. And so at first I was like, no, like I, that can't be me. Like, that's wrong. That's wrong. Like I, I'm not crazy. That's not it. And I had to do a lot of sitting and a lot of research and a lot of talking with my doctor and be like, okay, so what are the symptoms? Like, show me the DSM five, like, let me know. <laughs> like, and as I learned more about these diagnoses, I was like, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. That would explain a lot about like my behavior and my like life in general. Mm-hmm. And as I became more aware of what this diagnosis was it became less scary and it made more sense in my life I wouldn't say I've come to peace with it but I would say I've come to be content Mm. that is a that is a part of who I am but that's not my identity like I'm not going to walk up to you and be like hi I'm Josie I have borderline personality disorder that's not my starter um do you so what was the last one the last hospitalization November yeah November November. all right so 2021 was fucked man in some ways in some ways because I'll let you say if it was fucked. I don't want to speak for you, but yeah, because you might, you might tell me if, as you reflect upon it, it might have been leading you in a, in a to a good place because you said right now in some ways it's a better place. So yeah, it was really messed up. It was the definitely the hardest year I've ever experienced in my entire life. But I'm only eighteen. You know, so you're only like, eighteen. Fair, but still, you that's your experience. But also. Yeah, like I was definitely like that last hospitalization and that partial program and like this therapy program that I'm in now and this doctor that I have now mm. in this community that I'm surrounded in now, definitely like in that hospital, exact right I need to be in with the exact right people. I'm in such a good place right now. Like, yes, I had that little bit of I, that may have been hypomania, but I'm not even 100% sure because it was a very weird experience. So like, yes, that may have happened last week, but like. I'm okay, which I have not been able to say for six years. Is that right? Yeah. Ever since I was 12, I've been in and out of bouts of depression. Um, So since November and you're in a better place, do you ever ideate? Yeah. The the new year was very hard for me. Mm -hmm. New Year's Day was very hard for me. I was sad almost like leaving 2021 because I was like, yeah, that was a really crappy year like that. Like that was shitty. Like, let's be real. Like, I'm going to use that word like that. That sucks. And also like, there's been so much good that has come out of all that crap. And so I was almost sad to leave it. And I was like, I'm never going to get like graduating high school back. and I'm never going to get first semester of college back. And I feel like I wasted it. And so where there was that sense of like, like, dang, like that really sucks. You know, the, the clock struck midnight and I was like, all right, like, here we go. A new year, like another year that can either really suck or like another year that can be really great, or it can just be mediocre. Like I get to decide, you know? And so Mm -hmm. there was a lot of that, like pressure of like, like why, like, and there was a lot of that confusion too. Like, why do we put so much pressure on a new year as Americans and as the world really like, no idea. Why is this like such some like euphoric thing that like, Oh, the clock struck midnight. It's January. Like now we can start everything. Like, why can't that just be any other day? You know, yeah. <laughs> so there Fair. was definitely that like conflicting. And I was like, okay, this is a lot to handle. Like maybe I could just go crash my car, mm. but it was a very different feeling 
because of where I'm at mentally now. It wasn't like I would, it was a thought. I acknowledged it and I, and I let it go. And my DBT therapist would be so proud of me for saying that right now. Let me just tell you. <laughs> so DBT has helped. Yes. I love it. I have my workbook right here. <laughs> I am actually, I was doing my homework for tomorrow <laughs> before I went on this call. Hmm. Do you, um, I remember you brought up earlier myths. Were there others that you wanted to mention? Talk about the spell? Yeah. I mean, that having a personality disorder or bipolar makes you crazy. Like, or having a mental illness at all makes you crazy. Like, that's not, not it. Like, I think we've stigmatized even that word crazy. Is it really a bad thing? Like, maybe, maybe I am crazy. I'm not, I, I am. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I don't have friends or I can't put a podcast together or, right? Right. Right. I really just like would dismantle every single stigma around mental health. Yeah. What are the other ones that come to mind? I mean, I know it's probably a long list, but what are the big stigma stuff that you're like, nah, that's, if nothing else, it's worth having a much larger or more in-depth conversation. I think medication is one big thing for me. Like there's recently been this campaign going around called Post Your Pill that Dr. Alex George has been, I don't know if you've seen it, on social media i'm in no? my own okay. little world here josie i just talk to people that's about all i do <laughs> i don't research a lot for better or worse okay well there's this campaign that dr alex george started with it's called hashtag post your pill and so talking about and normalizing mm-hmm. taking medication for mental illness and also normalizing that if you don't that doesn't mean you're not any any less bad or any less fighting you know like it's medication is just it's an aid it's mm-hmm. not the end all be all. And it's not this terrifying thing. Like it's, it's just, it's an aid, you know? And if you need it, you need it. If you don't, you don't mm-hmm. like that doesn't change your mental illness. That doesn't change. Like that doesn't invalidate anything that you're going through. I like that. Like, it's, an right. even, it's an even playing field. Like invalidate is a good word for sure. Yeah. How many people do you have in your life who you can talk to about stuff like this regularly? Not like a random bald dude once in a while in North Carolina on a podcast, but like in your life, Hey, I'm, I'm not having a good day. I'm really not doing well. Can we talk? I would say like a solid eight. I've been really trying to work on my circle and like Mm. letting people in. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to work on my circle and letting people in. And so like, I'm very proud of that eight because before it was just one. Wow. Yeah. Kudos, man. And you'd said that you're rather open about it. Um, you'd mentioned the newspaper article and social media. What is your primary, what's the social media platform you use more than the others? Is it TikTok to communicate and talk about this stuff? No, I don't post much on TikTok. I just listen on TikTok. I post mostly on, I when I post on Instagram, I post on Facebook. So it's, I have like tied, so. Instagram, Facebook, the metaverse. <laughs> Um, all right. I was going to go with IG, given your age and sort of the platform. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. If you've heard the podcast, you know certain questions. I just tend to ask everyone. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll try again? No. No. I don't. That's a bold assertion. I like it. I don't. I really don't. And, I, and I've been thinking about this question because I've been waiting for it. <laughs> all right. I, literally this past, like, since I got your email about like today doing it, I was like, He's going to ask me and like, do I like genuinely, do I think I will? No. Okay. Because honestly, because of that hospitalization that I had in that partial program and like where I'm at now and the work that I'm doing now, I'm already seeing progress. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing myself become myself. I'm starting to create my own beliefs. I'm starting to create my my personality despite mm-hmm. the personality disorder. Like I'm starting to create Josie. So it sounds like, and you'll tell me if I'm wrong, that you are fill in the word, let's say glad, not the best word, that you didn't die. You tried yeah, to no. end your life. You could yeah, have died. I'm, I'm very thankful. Thankful. Okay. That's the word. You know, I think about people who would have been in your shoes, kind of like maybe been doing better, but you know, for whatever reasons they died and they don't get it. I'm like, oh man, mm, fuck. So you're it's hard right. because I've lost three people mm-hmm. that I know. To your suicide. age? My age now. Yeah. They were my age now. Yeah. Mm. Grieving someone who died by suicide is a very different type of grief mm. than someone who died of cancer or natural causes, you know? And I don't really know how to explain it other than it's just different and mm. it's really hard. Yeah. There's maybe for some people a sense, a little bit more of a sense, unlike cancer, of could I have done something to help? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying anyone should think that way, but they may. I, I've dealt with it myself. So I felt that way before. Yeah. Yeah. And we get into all these things that sometimes are the parts of the conversations around the myths. It's not selfish, right? It's not weak. The things we tend to ascribe to people who attempt. And I wonder why we end up saying those things. And I think part of it is because it's different than dying from cancer or getting hit in a, in a car accident. It is different, mm-hmm. you know? I'm so curious about how that, why that is and why people treat it the way they treat it. And I'm not saying how they should or shouldn't, but it is different. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's just different. It's charged. People have some strong feelings about this stuff. Mm -hmm. What else do you want to share, Josie? Oh, I'd sent you that list of questions that I sometimes, I tend to ask those. I don't have the list in front of me. Did I miss any questions? I want to make sure I cover my bases here. You have it in front of you. I know you do. <laughs> I do. So what are my questions that I might have missed? Did you oh, leave yeah. a note? Did that come up? That's what I was just, the did you say goodbye? I was just about to say that one. And I, I, I did. I did and I didn't. One of the hardest things for me to reflect on is when I, right before my, my first overdose in February, I had, I'd, I'd packed my suitcase because I was well aware of the fact that this could not work. And so I packed a suitcase of all my favorite clothes and stuff that I knew I could wear in the psych ward. Mm. And I wrote, I left a note on top to my parents and I said, I wrote them something along the lines of like, if you're reading this, I'm either on my way to the psych ward or I'm dead. Um, And then I wrote like, if I'm dead, here are my favorite things. Keep these, donate the rest. And if I'm not dead, please bring this to the hospital. Like that's basically what I said to them. Were you having an episode, do you know? No, this was this was the day before. This was the night before I overdosed. So very intentional. Yeah. Very planned, methodical, if you will. Leaving a note, thinking about it. And then I wrote a bunch of notes to my best friends. Not a bunch. I wrote two notes to my best friends and then one mm. to my teacher. Mm. And then one to my like youth group community. Did they see the note? No. Parents saw it. They didn't see it. Yep. I have been contemplating giving them those notes Mm -hmm. my best friends those notes now that i'm better but i i can't decide if that would hurt them Mm. you know tough one yeah yeah so 
you had said in that note to your parents, here are my favorite things, like literally, and, and like, was that a list of stuff? No. So like my suitcase was packed with like my favorite sweatshirts, my favorite shirts, uh-huh. my favorite pants, like my, my teddy bear that I grew up with. Like, I wonder how they were feeling when they were reading that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I choose not to think too much about that because yeah. I, that, mm-hmm. that must've hurt. And I do regret handling it the way I did. And at the same time, that made perfect sense for where I was at. Yes. Like that was how I knew how to handle what was about to happen. That makes sense. Yeah. And I've written a lot of notes. Every single time I've almost attempted or have attempted, I've written a new note. So like, there's literally like, there was a section in my journal that was for one of my best friends. And then there was another section for another best friend. I filled this notebook. <laughs> so this, this is a 70 sheet notebook. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 70 sheets and there's some on my phone this notebook is actually we ripped out my parents and i ripped out almost all of the notes and we burned them in the fire oh is that so, right yeah you regret that no because we have digital copies of all of it <laughs> okay it's just an interesting read for me and i'm a weird guy but it is yeah. no like i i i find this stuff very interesting like i have i have binders here of my hospital records from being in the psych ward Mm-hmm. And I have all of them yet, but I have I have the three from the one hospital I went to mm. as when I was seventeen earlier in the year. And reading through it, there are some hard things in there. There are some things I didn't realize I said and did. And so, like reading back and being like, "Wow, I said that!" Like that, like reflecting on it now, like me being okay, yeah. reading the stuff from when I really wasn't and I was so broken. Like mm. it's very, it's very eye opening. Sound like you're organized with some of these these materials <laughs> i am yes I, I also have i kept the journals like i wrote journals and every single hospital mm. stay and like they gave it they gave you a folder of information and i have all those too i look back on this i'm writing a book that's why i have it all you're writing a book what's the title do you have a title i, I have an I title idea i'm not sure i'm gonna go with it but um perspective it- perseverance possibility that sounds more of a subtitle i know right that's why i can't then you don't need it you don't need a title yet. You do need a title, probably. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't know if the question is what's it about. I get the sense from the subtitle title that it's kind of about what you went through, what you're going yeah. through. Yeah. It's like a self-help men and autobiography. When is your birthday? August 13th. So you're a Leo? I am. I am not into astron- astrology, but <laughs> neither am I. But so you're 18, you'll be 19 in the summer. Yep. You're in college. Mm-hmm. You're doing better. Doing a lot better. Yeah. You've chosen blue lights for our conversation in your room. <laughs> you could have yeah. chosen other colors. You went with blue. It's actually technically white. These oh. are the blue ones. So glad you went with the white. Is it's because the... my room is blue, so it looks blue. There is oh I see. And there is behind you, and this is not a great this isn't great for podcast listeners, but you've got a word on your wall and I can't quite see it. Is that perspective? Yes, that's my that's my life word. You have a life word. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It's just a word that, like, I constantly remind myself. Like, okay, your your pers- in my mind, your perspective literally changes everything. Mm-hmm. The way you view something is what makes it. Like, yeah, I can view twenty twenty one. My my perspective of twenty twenty one can be, wow, that was a crappy year. That sucked. Mm-hmm. Or I can view it as, yeah, that sucked, and that was a great year in a way. Sure. That dialectic that can be those both can be true like 
a lot of good things happened and a lot of really crappy things happened. Just depends on your perspective. Sounds like you might have yourself a title there. Just saying. Throwing it out there. I'm not a publishing agent. I don't know shit about books. Um, <laughs> what are all the photographs that are neatly and quite well organized behind you and labeled perfectly with a little black Sharpie underneath? What are all those photos? <laughs> These are my friends and my family. I have some quotes on here, too. Thanks for being so open and honest. Thank you for having me. I can only we can hope that 2022 is what it is. And that's. And hope it won't suck. I hope so too. What a great way to end the conversation. Let's hope 2022 doesn't <laughs> suck, but that's like, kind of, that's where we're at. No, legit, yeah. I hope things continue to go well for you. I do. And I really do appreciate you uh, reaching out and talking. So thank you. Thank you. Have a good week. Stay warm or not too cold in Michigan. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to Josie up in Michigan. Thank you, Josie. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. And again, if you listen on Apple, please rate and review this podcast. It helps people find it. And I think there are people out there that may need to find it. Thanks so much for that. That is all for episode number 92. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.